Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 98 being recorded on Tuesday, August 22nd, 2017. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason Scott Show listeners. Jason, it's the day after the eclipse. Did you get to see the eclipse at all? No. Tragically, I was on the airplane... And I, I was sitting next to a, a, a pilot that was deadheading, and I asked him if there was any chance we were going to see the eclipse. And he told me that they would have to bank upwards about 45 degrees, which seemed unlikely. Yeah, I would opt out of that eclipse view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, here in North Carolina, we got a really good view of it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So it's pretty, pretty exciting to have midday darkness. Nice. And were you – I'm imagining you're one of the special people that had ordered uh, glasses well in advance, and so you had them? That is correct, yes, and I wore them, and I didn't wear them more than three minutes, so I followed all the rules, and uh, as a result, I have good vision still, so I'm uh, excited to report that to everybody. I am I'm <laughs> very happy to hear that. I was a failure in my family. I ordered them a month in advance, and they, they arrived so early that I lost them before the eclipse came. Ah, uh, epic fail. Epic fail. <laughs> well, you know, summer is winding down here at the Jason and Scott show and we're heading into the fall. So we are going to ramp back up the interviews of e-commerce movers and shakers. And tonight we have a special treat for listeners. Please join me in welcoming Shan Lynn Ma. She is the CEO and co-founder of Zola. Welcome, Shan. Thank you. Very happy to be talking to you both. We are happy to be talked to. Uh, Shan, uh, one, uh, you, uh, as a regular listener of the show, you're probably familiar with this, but we always like to get things started off by um, uh, having our guests tell us a little bit about their background and how they came into their current roles. And uh, in, in your case, you, you have a very storied e-commerce past. So uh, can you share your background with our listeners? Sure. So I, am, I was mentioning to you earlier that I am a fan of this podcast, particularly because I am also an e-commerce nerd. And, uh, and so that has come from working in e-commerce, uh, particularly over the last nine years in New York. And I moved to New York from Silicon Valley to take a job at what was at that time a very small startup that had just launched called Guilt Group. Uh, that was 2008, joined Guilt as the first product person, um, and it had just launched and so joined when it was about 30 people, about $7 million in revenue at the time, and was tasked with redoing what does Guilt.com look like both from the front facing user experience, as well as what do we want it to be uh, over the, the longer term of the next say one to two years, as the business starts to add new categories like home, men's kids, and what would eventually be added on would be things like guilt city and experiences and travel and more. 
ended up staying at Gilt for four years, which was a fantastic four years of very intense learning. During that time, I got to be the product lead on a lot of the new business launches, got to launch the mobile products, and and then got to pitch and launch my own business unit within Gilt, which was a gourmet food and wine business that we called Gilt Taste. Um, and so then at that point, really in the, my third year there, kind of transitioned out of a product management role into more of a GM, um, mini CEO within a bigger startup kind of role. Learned a great deal there about other functions outside of just product development. Um, after at the end of four years, Gilt had grown from that initial thirty people to be over a thousand employees. And at that time was probably around 600 million in revenue. And so really got a great sense of what, um, what went really right to see that revenue growth so quickly. And then what were some of the challenges that that business faced as it tried to then move towards profitability. And, and obviously following the company closely after that, got to see a bit of perhaps, you know, what, what, might that company, what might we have done differently that, that might have um, kind of avoided some of the decline that it had in more recent years. Um, so after Guild, I wanted to do the startup journey all over again and move to become chief product officer of another New York uh, consumer tech startup called Chloe and Isabel, which is a social selling um jewelry company startup. And after um, being in that role for a relatively short amount of time, realized that, you know, while I had been kind of putting off what I always wanted to do, which was start something um, based on, on, you know, kind of an idea or a number of ideas that I had, I thought I could not delay any longer and um, decided to start Zola with my co-founders. And that year was 2013, which also happened be, to be the year that all my friends got married at around the same time. And I was buying a lot of wedding presents for them from their different wedding registry sites online and was thinking, you know, I, I am surprised that these e-commerce experiences, which is what a wedding registry really is, I'm surprised that they're not better than, than what I was seeing online and was starting to talk to Nobu, my co-founder, about the frustrations that I had as a gift giver shopping from their registries. And we started to think about how would we do it differently if we were to create a wedding registry from scratch. And that was when uh, we came up with Zola. And, and so Zola was born and that was four years ago. Very cool. I, I feel like that is a uh, a common story is uh, the you know germ of a great startup idea uh, being born out of need. The only sad thing is if you would have recognized the need a year earlier, you could have sold it to all your friends. <laughs> exactly. I yes, I am. I'm often um, sad that now the precise time that I love to go to weddings is actually the time that I am no longer invited to weddings because most of my friends get married, have already been married. Uh, but but every time I meet someone that is not married, I'm secretly hoping that they will at some point get engaged and invite me to their wedding, which is user research, essentially. 
Nice. Yeah, that's in fact. Uh, I assume the gifts you give are are uh, write offs. <laughs> I wish that is not the case. How, and however, you know, in combination with that, what I should say is that I my my the quality of gifts that I give to people now is so much better now that I know the data around. <laughs> what makes a good wedding gift, what is the average price point of a wedding gift. This is all information I wish I had before 2013. <laughs> uh, and I, I should throw in usual disclaimer, I, I have no financial background and I'm not qualified to give tax advice to anyone listening. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you, know, you, you mentioned your experience at, at Gilt from kind of 30 employees through, through 1,000. I think most of the listeners are probably familiar with the – the story of guilt. But one thing that I, I feel like gets lost is um, that that guilt really built a a fabulous e-commerce team and that talent has spread throughout the industry are, and are in a lot of interesting positions. So so you're a member of a pretty cool alumni network in the e-commerce space. Yeah, th- I think that is one of the most exciting things that I've seen change in um, at least the New York technology ecosystem since I moved to New York in 2008. Uh, When I moved here um, in 2008, I was new to the city. And so I was looking for other product people like myself to kind of talk about ideas and best practices in the city. And it was hard for me to find other people in that same role. I found a few, but you can compare that to today if you are trying to do that same activity. There is hundreds and thousands of people that you could probably find. There's so many meetups that are all sparking new startups um, from the people that you meet there. So it's a it is it, it's changed since um, Gilt first started, but also when we look at the companies that have come out of Gilt Group alumni, at last count there were around 20 startups that were founded by people that had previously worked at Gilt. Um, and so that alone, even in the short few years that um, that's been possible to do, is a, a pretty big impact. Very cool. Um, the PayPal guys call themselves the PayPal Mafia. I don't know if they call themselves that, but uh, have you guys called yourselves like, you know, the Gilt Guild or it, you have a clever name for that? Do you mm. guys refer to yourselves? Or? Yeah. Well, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. So. Uh. We won't do that. Ooh, my, my money's on the guilty. Guilt E. Yeah. We could uh we could just turn the show into guilt puns. Guilt E is charged. <laughs> Whoa, hello. All right. Uh so Zola is uh in the wedding space. So so uh for listeners that aren't familiar with that, uh you know, tell us a little bit about the wedding space and, and what's exciting to you about that space. Yeah. So Zola is the fastest growing wedding registry around. Um, We started as a wedding registry because we really wanted to solve this one uh, particular pain point that I described of couples getting married, wanting to create a wedding registry that met the needs that they have today. And so couples getting married today are the millennial generation and the, the way that their needs are different particularly as it relates to wedding registry, is threefold. So one is they want to register for products and experiences and cash all in the one registry. They want 
a registry that is truly personal, that they can personalize, that reflects who they are as the couple and what they love, um, similar to the way that they personalize their Facebook page or their Instagram. And then third, they want complete control over their registry as it relates to how it shows up, um, when their gifts are shipped to them, and they want to control on their mobile devices as well as on, uh, you know, through their laptops and, and desktops. And so those three things um, were not really available at all outside of Zola. So that was the starting point for Zola. And we launched with that idea. And in the, the few years that we've been around, we've seen it grow extremely quickly. To this um Past quarter, we actually launched uh, our first new product that speaks outside of the wedding registry, which is a product called Zola Weddings. And what that is, is a suite of wedding planning tools that helps couples plan their wedding on top of their wedding registry. So specifically, it's a free wedding website, guest list manager, and checklist. Mm -hmm. And Overall, what we're trying to do here is really help the couple plan their wedding from the day they get engaged through their first year of marriage, through all the different activities and tasks that you have to do as you're planning your dream day. Cool. And um, I'll take a shot. I don't know much about how it works, but I'm guessing your business model is effectively uh, kind of like an affiliate commission model on the back end where you, you know, as as couples kind of say, I want to register for this and purchases are made, you you have a revenue share kind of model. Is that how it works or is it more of an ad model? It's actually neither of those. So the the best way to think about Zola is that we are a hybrid of a marketplace and an e-commerce business. Um, so we're a marketplace in the sense that we have we work directly with over 500 brands today and over 50,000 products. So if you look at the Zola store, you can register for any of those products. And we, we partner directly with brands at Zola in the same way that we partnered directly with brands when we were at Gilt. The difference um, and why we have a marketplace hybrid is that we are not taking inventory. So we are a dropship business model. And the big shift that has happened in the home industry, which is the industry that the registry operates within, is home brands really started to transition to enable dropship capabilities in the last five years or so. So if we tried to do Zola much earlier, it would have been hard for us to do as a business and hard for us to have this dropship capability with the number of brands that we would need to have within the registry. And we probably wouldn't have done it if we had to buy all the inventory because with a registry, you need a lot of SKUs and very shallow depth. Um, so that's that's the, the kind of marketplace-like component. Uh, it's an e-commerce site in the sense that Zola is the merchant. We are the retailer. We have and develop the relationship with our customers, which are our couples. We provide all the customer support and everything is captured through the Zola experience and site. Um, so in that sense, we we look and feel like an e-commerce experience. Very cool. And 
uh, one of the things that maybe I just want to understand a little bit better, like, so when I think of a traditional e-commerce wedding registry, it's a single retailer experience. So I, like, in general, I have to decide up front, oh, I'm going to register at Crate and Barrel. And so I go to Crate and Barrel and I, I go through their their specific registry experience and I'm only going to be able to register for products that they sell and certainly not experiences or cash um, or mm -hmm. products that they don't sell. Um, my, uh, so you are what I, I, I would call a sort of a, a multi-retailer registry. So through you, I can register for a potentially much wider range of products. Um, I have that right, correct? Yes. And, and we have all the brands that you might expect to find at any other department store. So uh, our top registry brands include things like Le Creuset, All Clad, KitchenAid. Um, those are all brands that we have and partner with on Zola. And we, we um, retail them like any other department store retailer does. Yep. And so do your partners tend to all be the product manufacturers as opposed to mm -hmm. other retailers? Is that... Yes, that's right. Got it. Um, and so, uh, so do any of those those brands like so? Obviously, some of those brands sell direct. So you mentioned like La Crusade or um, uh, All Clad. Like they would have their own e commerce site. Do do any of the manufacturers try to do their own wedding registry, or is that just not not common at all? We don't really see that, okay. and I think the reason is because. Uh, it from the user perspective, the user so the couple does not want to create ideally more than one registry. You don't want to set up a registry on Lake Crusade and then a registry on All Clad and then a registry on KitchenAid because all of a sudden you are sending your guests to like potentially hundreds of different sites. Uh, so you want to do it once, <laughs> and you want everything in the one place. It's convenient. It's um, more straightforward for the couple and for their guests, which is what the couple also cares equally about. I, that makes total sense. Um, but then I I saw recently that you had announced a partnership with Backcountry. Um, yes. And a that's fascinating because you you know the uh, I, you wouldn't think of as the the Backcountry assortment as the yeah. the sort of traditional merchandise for wedding registry, but I, I suspect you're going to tell me that it's in, in high demand in the, in the the new target demographic but they i think of as a re, as more a retailer of other people's products so does that work differently than your than the manufacturers or or yeah so we uh, so the the way that we decide um, how we want to add products or partners or retailers to Zola is based on what we're seeing the couples pull into their Zola registries. So there's, there's um, couples can set up their registries and add products that we already have within the Zola store, but they can also, on top of that, add any products from any site online, anywhere on the internet, into their Zola registry as well. And similar to the way Pinterest has the pin it button, we have the add to Zola button, which just pulls in that particular product into a couple's registry. And so that for us has been the best insight into what are the products and brands and retailers that customers want 
that we don't currently have on solar because they're pulling it in. Uh, so from day one, we've really had that data-driven approach to merchandising where we use this um, pool data, essentially, to inform our merchandising roadmap. And the reason we added backcountry is because we saw a lot of couples registering for outdoor equipment and a, a wide range of um, outdoor camping gear uh, that we didn't have on Zola at all. And so we thought, first of all, um, if we were to partner with Backcountry, it would allow us to add a lot of different products to the Zola assortment very quickly. But also that's a brand that we know our couples already love. It's a retailer that our couples already love. And so um, it makes sense for them to, if we were to add it to Zola. So that's one. Another example of a similar partnership we did with a retailer is Michael C. Fina, which is a, a New York um, tabletop retailer that has um, has a very storied history in New York's Upper East Side. And they had a lot of high-end luxury brand um, tabletop that we didn't have on Zola and we did see there was some demand for that. And so we added that to the site and, and certainly that has gone very well um, for couples that are looking for that really fine China from top brands. Very cool. And it, uh, for our listeners, every time I dine at Scott's house, uh, he always has a fabulous table set with Michael Cifina. So uh, that, that would probably be where he would register. It, it's not a great dinner without a great tabletop. I always say. I actually have Star Wars uh, plates and glasses. So, does that is that fancy? Well, so you, so Michael C. Fina is the place where many children of presidents have registered for their wedding. So it's not surprising that you would also have some uh, of that fine china in your home. <laughs> cool. So you guys started in 2013. Um, give us a little idea of traction, like um, uh, have you raised VC and, and how much uh, and yeah. any idea about uh, maybe how many weddings have gone through the platform or registries or anything like that you can share? We'd love to get a feel for the scale that you're dealing with now. Sure. So since we launched, we've raised over $40 million in VC funding um, from great venture capital firms such as Lightspeed Venture Partners and Thrive Capital and Canvas Ventures and Forerunner, to name a few. Uh, most recently, our last round was the Series C round where we raised $25 million in Q4 last year. And, and so we announced at that time we have had over 300,000 couples register with Zola and um, we are uh, multiplying each year. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. The, uh, having raised venture capital, I have a lot of respect for, uh, folks that have done that. It's, it's not easy. Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you. I agree. It is, is not easy. <laughs> you gotta have a big vision and get people to buy into it. And, uh, I can tell you're an energetic peppy person that that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so, you know, I know Target, Macy's, and a lot of these other guys really promote their registry pretty heavily. Do they view you guys as a threat or are they happy to partner as long as kind of some of the sales go through their retail platforms or, or do you go direct to brands pretty much most of the time? 
right now, the vast majority of our business is directly through the brands. And what we hear from our brand partners is that um, Zola is one of the, the few channels that is growing for them, which is reflective of our overall very fast growth as a company. And we are also the leading um, tech startup or leading startup in the online registry space. So I think for the audience that is young, professional, tech savvy, um, working, busy, does not have a lot of time to uh, think about all the different places they can register, but they want a wide range of things on their registry, Zola has become the go-to place. Um, I think the over time we will want to and, and see a good reason to partner with more and more retailers like the ones you mentioned. Um, and it will be determined by the data that we're collecting based on what couples are pulling into their registry. Got it. And uh, one thing I do think of most of the traditional like single retailer registries is a big component. The, the I assume the overwhelming majority for most of those retailers is, is actually in-store um, and, you know, I'm assuming you're uh, exclusively digital. Like, is there a, an omni-channel element to the offering at this point or is it all via e-commerce? Yeah. So one of the really interesting things about the wedding registry is that unlike the rest of the e-commerce world. So I think if we look at e-commerce as a kind of total industry, online shopping in general, it's about between you know, anywhere from 10 to 20% of total purchases uh, online. In registry, 80% of registry purchases are online. And you know, when you think about it, it kind of logically makes sense because if you're a guest, you're going to a wedding, what would you prefer to do if you're buying a gift for your friend? Do you prefer to go into the store, ask them to pull up the registry, buy it from the store, and then leave the store and that's it? Or would you prefer to do it in a few clicks online? So the purchasing is already online. The thing that is um, sometimes offline is when couples want to set up their registry and they want to see some products in person. So for that use case, um, Zola has what we call the Zola townhouse, which is essentially a showroom or a concept or an experiment that we have set up in New York where couples can come in person, see and touch and feel product that they may want to register for. However, we do find that the vast majority of our couples at the end of the day end up just registering fully online and don't feel the need to come in to see stuff in person. It is something we're experimenting with. Got it. And is there a um, – I'm almost wondering if there's an omni-channel component, component in terms of the gift delivery, right? Like so you mentioned dropship. So a lot of these manufacturers are probably shipping the goods in, in separate boxes. So the couple over some long period of time is going to get boxes. Uh, presumably in most cases they're not going to be wrapped or, you know, what mm-hmm. – like um, so I imagine one of the areas or opportunities – for some future experiences to is to figure out the, you know, how, how you recreate that experience of there being a pile of beautiful gifts at the wedding, or maybe people just don't want that. No, couples do not want that. <laughs> uh, that is, that is, uh, 
a myth that that um, couples want that at their wedding. So the actually, when we were first thinking about is Zola even a good idea for us to start, we interviewed many many couples about um, what their wedding planning experience was like, what their registry experience was like. And what really surprised us was the number one complaint that we heard was couples who had been through the registry process and had gotten married were saying, when it comes to registry, the worst part of it was as people were buying gifts from their various department store registries, gifts would just start turning up at their house and they had no idea what was coming, who sent it, what's in the box, if boxes were arriving for them on honeymoon or when they were at work and it was suddenly overtaking their lives, this stress of having to track all these gifts that they didn't even realize were coming when they were coming. And after hearing story after story of this complaint, we thought this is something that is easily solved using technology. The couple should have control over when their gifts arrive at their home. So the thing that we built into Zola from the start, and that's is is really the idea that couples can control shipping of their own gifts. So we don't send anything to the couple until they say they're actually ready to receive it. And that the big difference here is that actually couples, most couples don't want to receive any gifts until after they've come back from their honeymoon. They've often waiting until they're moving into the new home that they move into um, between three to six months after their wedding. And then they're ready to look at what were we given and what do we actually want to now receive? So because of this feature, which is our controlled shipping feature, uh, we have very low return rates. We have virtually no returns because couples are able to determine if they really want something before it's shipped to them. And for that reason, um, couples tell all their friends to use Zola because it eliminates this stress of getting gifts when you're not ready to receive them. That that makes perfect sense. And frankly, um, I don't want them to receive my gift until they've proven that they can at least survive the honeymoon. <laughs> Well, I've heard all kinds of horror stories of people who, um, you know, will have registered elsewhere and they said they kind of secretly took back the gifts because they wanted something else. But then that, you know, whatever registry they were using refunded the person that gave them the gift. And then the person was like, why did I get a refund for this gift I gave you? Didn't you like her? What's the deal? And then the couple has to embarrassingly like tell the guest, oh, actually, could you give that back to me? So it's, there's a lot of awkwardness around that, that we are really trying, we have, we have avoided. Yeah. And I am sure that retailer appreciated being used as a gift card. Um, (laughs) The, you, you mentioned earlier that the, the, the first expansion product had been the, the wedding planning product, which that, that makes um, great sense. I'm curious, like, so your first expansion is kind of a, um, a vertical expansion into the wedding event is, mm-hmm. and I, I imagine that the wedding space is a huge opportunity in and of itself. Is is that likely the continued trajectory of Zola? Would you keep adding, like looking for more wallet share of the wedding? Or like, are there other significant gifting occasions that you could see expanding into? Like what's the, what? what uh, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's two 
big expansions that that make sense for us. So one is uh, right now in the wedding registry space, even within the U.S. alone, that's a $19 billion a year industry. So that is is a big market in itself. Um, with the launch of Zola Weddings, what we're dipping a toe into is the larger weddings market, which is an additional $70 billion within the U.S. And so that's an area of expansion for us that's very interesting and very deeply tied to each other. So um, because we now offer tools in wedding planning, checklist, guest list, wedding website, and registry, over time, it does make sense for us to add more and more based on what the couples are asking us to build for them, uh, of which we already have many requests. The next big step is then once you come back from your wedding, couples are often moving into the new home. They often need more things to um, set up their newlywed life together. And we already have today over 50,000 products for the home. So you can imagine, because we have a great sense for what all our couples love in terms of the brands, the price points, the style preferences, similar to what Stitch Fix has done have done in fashion, we have a similar kind of level of intelligence we can utilize for home. And because we already have all the SKUs, we can think about how do we um, move into being the place that couples turn to as they're setting up their new home. Awesome. Um, have you had, do you guys have some machine learning folks there that are starting to kind of look at those, those correlations? Uh, well, I, I think that's another, if I told you I'd have to kill you kind of question. However, I will say that engineering is our biggest team at Zola. Uh, Yes. Good. Uh, (laughs) As an engineer, we, we appreciate that. It's called job, job security. Um, so just to switch gears a little bit, when you, when you talked about how you guys are different, you talked about, um, you know, your, your couples and how they want that mobile experience. Um, what are some of the things you guys have done that, that differentiate your mobile experience? Is it, is it an app or is it mobile web? And, and what mm-hmm. are some of the things that you, do you leverage any of the phone's capabilities in interesting ways? Yeah. So there's, there's two things that, I think you might find interesting. So one is we have uh, this shop the room feature within our iPad app, which I personally love the most out of all the different features because it gives you an immersive, beautiful editorial type of room or homescape. And you can then click on the hotspots and shop different products that you see there or add to your wedding registry from there. So it's kind of an augmented reality kind of thing. So I can look at the room through the camera kind of, or. Uh, so it's not augmented reality in the way that, that people think about it today, because it's just, it's a room that we have shot. So it's not your own home yet. Ah, okay. Got it. Um, but it is giving, it is serving the, the user need of inspiration and discovery of new products. That is, that is also shoppable. So that is, is is one thing that we've done that's really interesting that's going to experiment through our iPad app. The, the other cool feature that is one I'll talk about that we have in our Zola iPhone app, it's the registry iPhone app. And the feature we have there is called Blender, which is essentially a Tinder for home products. So it lets you kind of swipe through one by one uh, 
selection of products that we have in the Zola store. And if you swipe right, you add it to your Zola registry. And if you swipe left, it dismisses it and you go to the next one. So what's interesting about this is that it is the most popular feature on any of the Zola apps. It is it is very highly used. Our couples love it. And it's it's a very um, frequent activity that you know, we see people using Blender to discover new products and add them to the registry, which is interesting to me because it's certainly not as immersive and emotional and beautiful as the previous feature I just described. But it is one that people love, they describe as fun and entertainment. And so you know, we've learned a lot through that. I wonder if they're sitting there doing it together or if she she goes and swipe rights on eight things and he kind of is like, yeah, I'm going to swipe left on these three. I'll swipe right on these two other ones. I wonder if it's like an inner, you could almost like add uh, therapy in there. You know, maybe there's like a, you know, a live button where you hit there and, and uh, you know, talks to potential newlywed therapy or something. Well, we do get a lot of, um, you know, we we do hear a lot of brides saying that they are essentially the the manager of their registry, so they approve all just final decisions. So w- when you said they wanted complete control, you meant complete control for the bride. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, say no more. Um, so one of the things that's got to be fun is you get to you get this like fascinating insight into how how uh, these young couples think. Like any particular products that surprised you that people register for, or any sort of funny funny trends that we we might not expect about how people are registering. Yeah. So the the biggest surprise for me was I. Um, I did a lot of user interviews before launch and I was always asking what do, what do you as a, a bride-to-be want to register for? And I heard a lot of brides say, oh, I, I don't need all the traditional registry items. I uh, want cool new experiences to do together and I want cool unknown brands and products. Um, so we did have a lot of those, and we didn't have as many of the classic registry items when we first launched Zola. And what we very quickly saw, which was through this Add to Zola button, that people were pulling into their registries a lot of the classic registry items that people said they didn't necessarily want. So very quickly we could say, oh, everyone actually does want the blender and the toaster and the iron and the vacuum and they also want all the things they said they want, which was the experiences and the <laughs> cool boutique items. And so the the takeaway or, you know, the, the point, which is kind of obvious in retrospect, but not obvious at the time, was that they want it all and they want it um, to really reflect what they're passionate about as a couple. So uh, some couples are very passionate about food and and eating and cooking and drinking wine together. And so that you can really see come through on the registry. Other couples are very passionate about outdoors, hiking, skiing, biking together. And so they have all those items on their registry. Uh, But what is consistent is that 
everyone sees the registry as an opportunity to upgrade a lot of the items in their home that they might not necessarily been able to afford themselves. So it's while everyone does have some sort of blender or toaster or iron, this is the chance that they can get the one that will last them <laughs> for another 10 years where they might have had that toaster that they bought when they were straight out of college 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, so that is a big surprise. I'm sad to report that next year's toasters are all going to have Wi-Fi, so the ones they thought were going <laughs> to last them forever aren't going to be good enough anymore. Um, is does, Well, I don't know if those are going to still be the the top sellers because the the top sellers in registry have been the same top sellers for many, many years. So I I don't know who's buying the, the newest gadgets, but we see some of those on uh, sell well, but it's not the vast majority of items. Sure. Uh, and the, the actual answer to your question is who's buying the newest gadgets is Scott and I. <laughs> yeah, Jason already has the Alexa toaster. Yeah. Um, and Scott has an R2-D2 toaster, so... Um, the, does charity or philanthropy come into play at reg, in registry at all? Yeah, so couples can certainly set up um, a charity fund or a prod, or a, a fund that they then designate to the charity of their choice. Um, so it is, we really leave it up to the couple to share and determine what charity is most meaningful to them, and then they can add that to their Zola registry. So that is a component um, and, and one that you know, we see coming up. It's very, it's a, of, as you might expect, a very personal charity or cause. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say my own wedding experience was an epic fail. Not, hopefully not the, the wedding. Um, but uh, I, I uh, got married uh, fairly late in life, and uh, so my my uh, fiance and I were both lucky enough to, like, frankly, like own the aspirational version of most items. Um, and so I I really didn't want to register. I really didn't want to get gifts, um, and felt like it was kind of unnecessary. And so I uh, tried to get that message out, and all the guests were just angry at me. Yes, you know we I hear this actually pretty often in that it is it is often you know it ends up being that guests will buy you a gift if they want to buy you a gift and so <laughs> the best thing you can do for yourself is to give guidance and it makes everyone's lives easier yeah if i had it to do over again i would have taken that or if i had met you earlier i would have definitely uh taken that advice um Another topic that's interesting. So, uh, you know, one of the challenges and opportunities, um, you have to acquire your own couples. So, you know, what, what, like, what are the marketing tools that you're using to to get customers or couples into the ecosystem? Mm -hmm. So, this was one of the things that we learned from guilt, and one of the reasons why we really were drawn to the idea of a wedding registry was this idea that. Um, at Gilt, Gilt benefited from a lot of word of mouth um, and referrals because everyone was really excited to share Gilt because it was beautiful, because they felt like they were letting their friends in on a secret. The, the dynamic that we liked with Zola was that it has that inbuilt virality or referral 
within the concept of a wedding registry. Because when a couple gets married, on average, they invite about 150 guests to their wedding. So that's the average in the US, which means that you have 150 people who are attending, of which most of them will feel in some way they want to check out your wedding registry and probably buy your gift. And so those are essentially eyeballs that are then looking at Zola. And if Zola is a better, more beautiful, more compelling wedding registry, they will then want to tell their friends or use it themselves when they get married. So having that um, inbuilt referral mechanism into the idea of a wedding registry has been the biggest driver uh, of our growth. And so when it comes to acquisition, we know that if we have a better wedding registry experience than anyone else, we will be able to grow as a company. Uh, so that has proven out. Now, so that's, that's what's really driven a huge amount of organic growth. On top of that, we are like many e-commerce companies, always experimenting with all the online marketing channels. So we experiment in Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, um, and those channels for us are interesting because they do have um, ways for engaged couples to flag themselves as engaged the moment that you get engaged. So we are able to target um and, and it really experiment with different campaigns to understand what, what is most compelling for people to want to register with us. What we've started to experiment with more recently is some out of, uh, brand marketing, so things that are, are less easily trackable. Uh, we recently launched a Subway advertising campaign in New York. Uh, we certainly advertise in bridal magazines and so all these um, things are, are interesting for us in, in that they're, the, the challenge for us is how do we get the most insight into the impact um, from these marketing dollars, which is you know, a, a different kind of challenge to, to building the best wedding registry product. But we are up for the task. Yeah, it, it is interesting because you look at sort of the – the history of the pure play startups and certainly uh, guilt being a prime example, but um, almost everyone, uh, Bonobos, um, Warby Parker, Jet, whom, whomever you pick at whatever scale, there there seems to be in every industry a finite amount of customers that you can very cost effectively earn through all these digital tools, like be it be it social or influencer marketing or digital advertising or search or all these things. Um, and then in every industry, there comes this inflection point where uh, incremental customers start to get dramatically more expensive. And and so in, in most industries, that's where you see them start to get more omni-channel to open Warby Parker stores or Bonobos guide shops or, you know, or, or and if it's not opening stores, it's it's outdoor advertising and things like that is um, mm -hmm. I think of your industry is a little bit different. Like you, you don't just want to reach a lot of eyeballs. Like there's only uh, a small finite period in the life of each, each eyeball where it's useful for you to reach them. So it, it almost mm -hmm. seems like you, you've got to find some more targeted vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And 
And that's that's why um, we found the online channels as it relates to allocating our marketing budget have always been strong performance for us because we can target that group of people at that point in time very well online and and so we you know it continues to to um, be the most compelling place to invest where we do have budget but the bigger investment and by far we are spending more time energy and investment on building out uh, the product experience because we see that drive growth so much more effectively for us Cool. The, uh, you talked about how in the early days you did a lot of interviews. What what kind of user testing do you guys do now? Um, do you do formal, um, you know, it, you know, watching people use the system, mm-hmm. or, or do you instrument it so you kind of know what they're doing? Uh, I always get that question from other entrepreneurs that kind of get a little lost once they get to a bit of scale. It's kind of hard to get that that feedback. Yeah. Uh, so we. We do. We try to do as much as possible when it comes to user testing. So we do. Um, we do what you said, which is watching people as they use the website, talking out loud, t- talking about what they're seeing, thinking. And these are people that are unfamiliar with Zola. We also do face-to-face interviews, which are more exploratory, which tend to be tell me about what you think, what you're thinking as you start to plan your wedding and open-ended exploration. That's a lot around new product development where we do that. And then we do uh, very regular online surveys to both people that have recently started their Zola registry, as well as people that have gone through the entire journey, gone on honeymoon, gotten married, gone on honeymoon, come back, and they're uh, close to the end of their life cycle. And so we want to survey them on that full experience. Um, so for each of these different types of groups, we're asking and looking for different things and constantly trying to understand what are the things that are causing them to refer us and promote us to other people. And let's not never lose sight of that. Let's always, let's double down on those things. And on the flip side, what are they saying that is making them hesitate about Zola or making them um, confused? And mm-hmm. how can we take those things out for future users? Cool. Any um, any data you can share on desktop versus mobile? So what's interesting for us is that it's not as much of a um, – drastic shift to mobile as you see in other e-commerce businesses. And this is because setting up a wedding registry is a more considered process than buying a pen or you know, buying a shirt online. So for us, actually, the um, we still see a good amount, probably the majority of people creating their registries on Zola through desktop. However, we do see a lot of management, updating of registries, browsing new products, adding new products through our mobile apps. Um, So the initial experience is desktop and then the follow-on experience through the rest of the life cycle is mobile. So for us, it's kind of important to be continually um, innovating on both 
because our user is using both. Yeah, yeah, you've got the the true omni-channel experience going on there. People going in and out of each each one. Yeah. Um, so two quick wrap-up questions. First of all, other than obviously everyone should check out Zola and uh, both the the app and the iPhone app, the iPad app, and then also the website. Uh, but do you publish anything online that people could look at, or are you uh, popular on the Twitter or LinkedIn or any of those kind of things? Uh, you can follow Zola, which is just at Zola on any of the social channels. Um, one interesting article that is kind of more on this topic, actually, that one of our investors just published on Monday, which people, you know, your audience here might be interested in checking out, is um, so our investor Alex Talsig at Lightspeed Venture Partners wrote a medium blog post on the concept of product channel fit, which is kind of the next thing any company, particularly e-commerce companies, need to tackle once they've tackled product market fit. So that post, I think, is is particularly interesting, um, and it kind of covers how we at Zola have been thinking about product channel fit and talks a bit to um, just one prong of you know, what a, a marketing or acquisition team might look at um, to drive growth. Very cool. We will put that in the show notes. Uh, and then last question, kind of stepping outside of the wedding industry and and putting on your e-commerce guru hat, you've, you've been in the industry for a long time. Where do you see things going in the next three to five years? What what gets you super excited? Yeah, so there's three categories of, of um, innovations in e-commerce that I'm excited about. Um, so one is, uh, I think very clearly, everyone's seeing the direct-to-consumer trend. Uh, and so there continues to be new brands and new categories that are emerging that I find very exciting, both in the way they're thinking about product, about selling, and about marketing. Uh, the second big category is innovations in w- what I describe as curated marketplaces or target marketplaces that are serving a particular audience or need. Um, So some examples of this might be um, caviar in food space or um, Net-A-Porter, which is not quite a marketplace, but it is uh, a house of brands. Um, Zola falls into this category. Uh, The companies include Rent the Runway, which is a different take on on this or Stitch Fix, DN Co or Unbound. And then the third big category of innovation, which I find really exciting in e-commerce is all the innovation that's happening in the supply chain. Uh, So technology that is supporting e-commerce companies or supporting retail brands to, um, to both create a a better user experience on the front end, but also uh, create uh, just a better business operation end-to-end from the moment you think about sourcing your product right through to providing customer support um, through to reporting analytics and shipping. So those three things, I think, are completely changing, even though Amazon is the thing that everyone wants to talk about. There is there's really true innovation happening across the board outside of just Amazon. 
Very cool. Um, and one one bonus question that that we ask every, every guest: uh, If you were going to have to dress in a costume to appear on your company photo, what mm-hmm. what would you dress up as? Well, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan, and we do take Halloween very seriously. So my favorite Halloween costume, which I have secretly don't tell anyone, worn twice is. Um, Daenerys from Game of Thrones because I have a dog which I like to dress up as a dragon. So that would probably be the one that I would have to pick. Very cool. And then do you yell Dracaris and the, the dog does Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a spoiler. I'm staying away from spoilers. I know. I was just reminding everyone. Okay. All right. <laughs> I haven't yet, but I might try that this year. Okay. I, I think that'd be cool. I, I have a little dog, MacGyver, and he does a much better um, Chewbacca. Then he does a dragon, but um, well, Shan, it has happened again. We have used all of our allotted time, uh, but we definitely want to thank you for joining us. We we certainly wish uh, Zola all the best and look forward to following your success. I want to remind listeners that uh, you're welcome to continue the dialogue on Facebook. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, uh, feel free to come to our Facebook page and leave us a note. Uh, we try to be very responsive. And, of course, as always, uh, if you uh, really enjoyed this episode, jump on iTunes and give us that five-star review. Uh, that's that's how we pay the bills at, uh, for, at the Jason and Scott Show is five-star reviews. Thanks, Shannon, and have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.